Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the final farewell season of Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. For my co-host, Danny Curran, and John Reggio, who did a phenomenal job in my absence with COVID last week, I'm Nick Chicklis, and we have a ton of stuff to talk about today here on WXVU 89.1 Villanova Radio, or whenever or wherever you get your podcasts. And we begin, of course, with the retirement of... The consensus, widespread, greatest football player of all time. Danny's giving me a look. Uh, Tom Brady walking away from the game of football after at age 44 after one of his best statistical seasons leading the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Age 44, he threw for 45 touchdowns. Um, two seed in the NFC before being upset at home by the Los Angeles Rams. Ends his season, ends Thomas's career. Um, listen, the media's been talking about it all week. Rumored on Saturday. And um, not finally officially announced until yesterday, so it took some of the the steam out of the announcement, I guess. But uh, I I think if you have been listening closely to his press conferences this year, you you probably saw this coming, talking about how it was important for him, like spending time with family, and like how it was tough being away from his family all the time. And that's always that's always been Brady. He's been a family guy. I know, obviously. Uh, his relationships with his kids have been made fun of in the media due to the, the the kissing and the touching and what have you. But he's clearly a really family-oriented dude. Um, and listen, I know I know most people hate him. Uh, I I never liked him, uh, but I never really had anything against him either. As a Giants fan, we we got him twice. Uh, he never he beat us a couple times regular season, but the regular season games. So. Um, I enjoyed watching him beat the Jets twice a year because the Jets fans in my area were super annoying. Not you, John, but the Jets fans in my area were super annoying. And then when he went to Tampa, he had he was he was just funny. He was a funny guy on social media. He had personality, joked around with his teammates, uh, getting really really drunk during the Super Bowl parade last year. That was hysterical. And uh, I'm a little upset. I'm a little sad that we're not gonna get a farewell tour. But he has more than earned his retirement, and uh, we will never see an NFL career like that again. Let me tell you. Yeah, I completely agree. Um. As a Jets fan, it's, Brady like has a certain place in my heart, for better or for worse. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm happy to see him gone, just because we can't really see any of his greatness anymore. Even though, like, I'm afraid to admit it, he is the greatest quarterback probably ever, just in terms of achievement and skill, just the combination of that. I mean, I'm pretty sure he has more playoff wins than like 17 franchises. Um, and if you want to make the Rodgers argument, there's always the argument that uh, he has, like, 20 more playoff wins than Rodgers does. And, uh, <clears throat> like, a, a little bit longer of a time, but not so much to justify 20 whole wins. So hats off to Brady. Uh, it's been a, been a good year, and I think it was kind of weird how he went out. He never really, like, obviously he kind of hinted at it, and uh, his, his comments about um, needing the competitive fire to compete in the NFL are completely true. And maybe he just didn't know at the beginning of the season that that flame would kind of die out as the season went on. But we're sitting here now, and, uh, you know, there's the the rumor in the beginning cir- circling around that he was retiring, and then him coming out and being... No, his, his dad first coming out and being like, no, he didn't, he, he's not retiring. Or he didn't yeah. say that yet. And then, you know, lo and behold, a week later, he, everything's confirmed. So just like Drew Brees we were talking about, uh, a little while ago, it's kind of the same deal with Brady, just on a higher scale. Just happy to have seen one of the greatest quarterbacks ever do it. Yeah, I, I don't really want to talk too much <laughs> about it. I mean, I don't mean to be like a sore loser, you know. I don't even know what word to use. Like, cause bitter. Brady, yeah, bitter. Uh, but I, you guys all know I can't stand him, so I don't really want to give him his, t- his, t- his time. Yeah. Um, 
I, I'm, I don't care that we didn't give him a farewell tour. Uh, hold that out in the playoffs. Stafford sent you into retirement. Um, and I just want to say uh, I hope he, uh, I guess that's a good retirement. I don't, really, <laughs> I don't have much to say. I, can't, I hate him so much. Yeah, defi- but, he's definitely shrouded in at least a little bit of controversy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, I, I was shocked. Last week when the reports were coming out, uh, I said on the show that I didn't really think there was anything to it, and I didn't think he was actually going to retire. Um, I mean, he had a pretty good year this year. so More than pretty good. And the Bucks have a super team, so, I mean, he. I, I feel like if he was a quarterback, they would have a chance to you know keep, keep winning a lot of games. But, um, yeah, I guess a, a nice career. Uh, he's a nice player. I don't think he's the greatest of all time. I will go to my grave thinking that. Um, and that's all I got to say. Yep. All right. Uh, oh, but I also do think it's funny. One, the one thing that I will comment on is I think it's funny that Patriots fans are upset that yeah, he didn't. Yeah, that is funny. That is that is there. such like Dave Portnoy's losing his mind yeah. on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> like, bro, he gave you six Super Bowls and like 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 KFC on Barstool. Like, said, he gave you entire personality. Bro. A, I am interested to see like his Hall of Fame speech in five five years down the road or mm-hmm. however long it is to see like. Belichick, I would assume, what is going to go. And I just want to see what he – I don't really care about the Patriots. I want to see what he says about Belichick because mm-hmm. Brady was a little baby and didn't get enough attention from Coach Bill, so he decided to leave. Well, with the reports coming out now, we don't know what Belichick's legacy might be five years from now. Yeah. So that's a completely uh, different topic. Yeah, that's a, kind of a natural segue um, <laughs> to Bill Belichick. Uh, I, I, I read those. So for those of you who may not be familiar, Brian Flores, former coach of the Dolphins, um, has filed a lawsuit against the NFL – Alleging uh, racism in the hiring practices, but uh, to me there were uh, two two interesting nuggets in there. One is that he is reporting that the Dolphins' owner offered him one hundred thousand dollars per loss in the twenty nineteen season when yep. the team was tanking. And who came out today saying Hugh that, Jackson? Yeah, Hugh Jackson with the Browns. Yeah, well, uh, Hugh Jackson was getting paid for losses. He was getting paid yeah, but, quite a pretty penny. Yeah, no, but my roommates were making the joke like he just came out and said that. Like, yeah, and people like, are like, no, you just. Oh uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I was one in thirty one. Yeah, no, no, I was no the team. Paid. Was, the team was paying me to lose. It wasn't because uh, we sucked. That's why we went one in thirty one. But that was uh, very interesting to me because if those reports are true, I can't see the NFL. Allowing this guy to stay the Dolphins owner, I, I would assume they'd force a sale or a ban or something. Because, Snyder, yeah, yeah, that is like that is just anti. It's anti competition. It's anti everything the NFL stands for. Um, and yeah, Danny, I it's there's nothing we can do. It's probably it's a solid probably a hundred degrees in this booth. <laughs> um, but with all the windows yeah, open, with all the windows open, and the uh, second interesting bit is that uh, Bill Belichick text Brian Flores and he was like, hey. I heard, I heard you're their guy. Like talking about the Giants. Like I, I'm hearing like good things. He's like, oh, the floor is like, I hope so. I really want this. Then a couple days go by and they hire Brian Dabble, not Brian Flores. And Flores texts Belichick, um, uh, you know you're texting Brian Flores, not Brian Dabble, right? <laughs> and then uh, Bill responds, uh, I screwed up, but not that, uh, not not that word. And uh, he was very sorry for getting his hopes up, but that is just. Yikes. Uh, Brian Flores, in my opinion, I've said it several times. I think he's one of the better coaches in the NFL. I can't believe the Dolphins fired him. Um, yep. I mean, I know they had that horrible start to the season, but Tua seemed to have been Tua, – Tua this year versus Tua last year, there was a lot of improvements. You had a, a lot of really good talent on the defense that he was getting a lot out of. You, like you, Offensively, they were improving. There were a couple – 
couple games away from making the playoffs. It's just I, I don't get it. And it seems like the players like him. It seems like the players play hard for him. So I don't understand. Like your your team's one and seven. You got Ravens coming into town on a short week, and like they're like coach they're coaching for their jobs, and the players play out of their minds. They sack Lamar Jackson how many times, and they win the game. And that's <laughs> kept the Ravens out of the playoffs. It's just. I'm really shocked. I'm really shocked that he can't find a job. I assume that he will find one before the hiring cycle is over. Well, I, I would say that before said lawsuit was mm-hmm. filed. I don't know if the NFL is going to hold that against him, but yeah, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. And not to get like too into the like racial politics and everything of sports, but it is something that like has to be addressed every so often. Yeah. And um, the NFL. I was reading a tweet. I forget who it was by, but he said that it, it was saying that it's just such a great statistical improbability that only one head coach in the NFL is an African-American, whereas the league is 70%. It's kind of like the same way you can compare it to the NHL. Like, if if you go, like, five years down the line and suddenly half the coaches in the NHL are black, then that's just different because it's, that's, like, you know, that's also a statistical improbability Probably that should be the, listened or looked into, like, on the opposite way because it's just the majority of players in the NHL are white. And it's kind of the opposite situation for the uh, NFL, but, you know, we're not seeing that same kind of equity in the coaching staff. So it, it could be something to be addressed in the future, and this might be a spark plug for that. Wasn't there, like, some Falcons coordinator who was, like, Asian-American, and, like, he said he was told, sorry, you're the wrong minority, like, when he really? was, like, interviewing yeah. for a head coaching job, and I was like, Jesus Christ, how, like, are you, like, you can't, like, yeah, I know. wow. And, there, you know, you're always going to get people saying, oh, it doesn't have to be about race, but, like, it's, it, it's a thing, like, it, it's it's easy to just kind of look past it and, and deny that some stuff like this is happening in the, in the NFL, but, you know, you kind of have to address reality every so often. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the reports about the Dolphins owner are actually true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because who knows? They could all be. It could all be a lie. But like the Hugh Jackson's thing is pretty funny. That he won. Didn't he, didn't he only win one game? He was one. There was a point where he was one and thirty-one. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Browns went zero and sixteen and one and fifteen. Wait, how many games did he end up winning? Um, I think like I, they they won they won a couple games in his last season with Baker before they fired him. So I think he was like three. But I'll, I'll look it up. I think he won like. Because I think he got fired in the yeah. in the uh, in the Baker's rookie year. Yeah, during the season. Yep. Yeah, mid season. Yeah, but in that in a I think Flores came out and said that there are multiple other former head coaches that have been offered stuff like this. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure between even this week and next week. Uh, we'll get yeah, a lot more. his tenure in Cleveland um, amounted to sorry, doing the math, three thirty six and one. Wow. Uh, and there was a point where it, that was one and thirty one. And I remember the Browns were the yeah, the Browns were two. They don't fi- He goes one and fifteen. They follow that up with zero oh and sixteen. They don't fire him. They start two five and one, and then do. I uh, that is uh, oh my lord. All right, moving on. Champ weekend. Uh, great, what a great champ weekend it was. We've had we've had really good playoff games. Yeah. These last two e- weekends. Everything after, past the wild card round. Was after the wild card incredible. was kind of really 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 disappointing. Um, <laughs> you had uh, first of all in the AFC I. I've said on the show that the Bengals are the most inconsistent team in the NFL. And I I did I I know I wasn't on the air, but I did pick them to beat the Titans even before the playoffs started. I said this matchup is going to happen and the Bengals are going to beat the Titans. When you're that when you're inconsistent and you have a unit that play that can play really well and does, crazy things can happen. And that's exactly what happened. 
the Bengals' defense in the second half after just basically laying down on the field and dying in the first, like, doing just there as a formality in the first half. The players did nothing. In the second half, just held Patrick Mahomes to the worst half, the worst half of his career um, in, ter- in terms of QBR, in terms of EPA, and come storming back from 18 down. Joe Burrow, um, I wasn't great statistically, but he, he, he won the game. He led his team to a win. And I, I can't believe that the Chiefs at home blew an 18-point lead. Um, that it really is just mind-boggling to me. Uh, they're, I would, they were my Super Bowl pick. They had turned it around, in my opinion. Their defense was playing a lot better. The offense had cut down on the turnovers. But in the second half, offensively, they could not get a thing going. Um, they had a couple plays at the end of the fourth quarter to, to kick a field goal. But listen, Patrick Mahomes does magical things, and he does things that he is the only guy in the NFL, in the world that can do some of the things he does. And I, uh, during the divisional round against the Bills, I was screaming one of one because there is one guy who, who, who leads that drive, and it's 15 in Kansas City. But when you do some of the crazy stuff that he does, it can come back to bite you. And we saw that, I think, in the fourth quarter, um, taking uh, some really bad sacks. They almost lost the game in the fourth quarter on one of the worst sack takings I've ever seen. On third down, when he fumbled, uh, yeah. they had they by some miracle they had an offensive lineman jump on the ball, but and they made the field goal pretty hard for Harrison Bucker. They, they were on like the five, and it winds up being on it, they had goal to go on the five. It winds up being a forty-four yard field goal. Yeah, and he missed earlier in the game. And he missed right? earlier in the game yeah. too. Yeah, uh, wait, did he? Or no, no, no. no that no, that was a Mac, against that, Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, that was against Buffalo. Oh and yeah, I'm thinking of he that. missed an extra point and a field goal against Buffalo, and then Matt Gay um, for the Rams missed a field goal in. Uh, in the NFC. But yeah. So the Mahomes magic, I guess, can come back to bite you. But like he just he just wasn't making throws we used to making. And then I've said all year, I've said all year, Tyree Kill is fast. He is he is he's his explosiveness, his acceleration, and his raw speed are some of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. But in terms of receiver skill, I would I'd grade him below average. His hand, he has no hands, he has no catch radius. You saw it on the inter- game sealing interception there. That throw, I, I know Jesse Bates was on him a little bit, but that throw hit him in the hands. Ah, like you got to do something with that man. Uh, I think that's probably the fifth interception for Mahomes this year that hit Tyree Kill in some part of the body first. <laughs> Um, I know I know he had a bunch in the regular season that were tipped to the picks from Tyreek Hill to defenders. So that's the Chiefs season. Um, I don't know who's – I'm not really sure with their free agent situation. I know the, the Chiefs cap situation every year makes no sense to me. It seems like every year they're like – they're $20 million over the cap, and then it's like, oh, we, really, we uh, restructured contracts in legal ways, and now we're 10 under, and we're going to acquire this guy. So I, I, I don't understand their cap. I don't know how they work it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, just really surprising. What are your guys' thoughts about that game? I've been talking a lot. Uh, yeah, one thing I, I would take out of that game is that, um, well, basically going into every Bengals game this year, I mean, Joe Burrow, I think this year he was the most sack quarterback in the NFL. And that's, like, nothing that – and that isn't something that people didn't expect. Like, the offensive line was always a question because the kind of the narrative was that, that Burrow got all these weapons put around him with no protection. But – all of a sudden, uh, the Bengals' offensive line has probably—I don't—I can't say it was their best game of the season because I, I haven't followed the Bengals that closely. But it's got to be one of the best yep. games of the season. I mean, after giving that. up nine sacks last yeah, weekend. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I thought that would be the Bengals' downfall. And I know we're going to talk about the Super Bowl 
probably next week more in depth, but yep. I think that will be the downfall, downfall of the Bengals. I agree. Yeah, because you know that that Rams uh, pass rush is just insane. But you know it held up, and then just by kind of a miracle, honestly, the Cincinnati defense in the second and the second half just stymied the the Chiefs. So it was it, it was one of those games that you know if there were some miracle plays in there, it would go down as one of the one of those like miracle and Kansas City type of games. But you know, I props to Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be around for a while, and I think he is a very good quarterback. And eventually, you know, this is just a stepping stone for the Bengals to be a, a pretty good team going into the future. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to say, throughout that entire game, I never really considered. Like, the thought of the Bengals actually winning the game never really crossed my mind until Mahomes threw the interception in overtime. Like, I just refused to believe that they were going to lose. I thought, yeah. like, I, I told, me and Nick were watching the game together, and I told him before, I was like, Bengals are a good team. A++++ year for them. Go from, you know, last in the division to the AFC Championship. They found their quarterback, found their coach. They got some good young pieces. But I thought the Cinderella story was going to end, and the Chiefs were ultimately going to win the game. And in the first half, Chiefs' four offensive possessions were touchdown, 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 and then got stopped at the one because they ran out of time. Very interesting decision from Mahomes to throw that ball. Also very interesting play call uh, by Andy Reid. As good of a uh, play caller as Andy Reid is, I've always said that in goal-to-go situations or like in the red zone, I think his play calling is a little suspect. It was at the end of regulation, and it was at the end of the first half. And if you look at those two sequences that potentially could have cost the Chiefs a spot in the Super Bowl. Um, you got to give the Bengals a ton of credit. Joe Burrow's only in his second year, and people are already calling him the next Tom Brady. People are saying that, you know, the Mahomes Tom or Mahomes and, and uh, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are going to be the next Brady and Peyton Manning. But, I mean, I think, it, I think you got to pump the brakes on that for now. But Joe Burrow is going to be a great quarterback in the NFL for a long time. Jamar Chase had a nice game. Their defense really stepped up in the second half, getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think the Super Bowl is going to be a great game. Um, I think, you know, the Bengals, they have explosive playmakers on offense. Joe, Joe Mixon running the ball. Jamar Chase is basically unguardable. <laughs> He's only a rookie. He's yeah. going to be a stud for the next, like, 10 years. And how about, like, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase from LSU on the yeah. same team? They're going to be so good for so long. Imagine if uh, – I don't want to say like Coach O is like incompetent, but like imagine if like I I know that team went fifteen and zero and won the national championship, but could you imagine what they could have done with better coaching? Like Jesus Christ, I mean, Joe Burrow set the all time record. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. For passing touchdowns, I, mean, I don't know how much know. better you can do than that. <laughs> and I think a lot of it was Joe was uh, Joe Brady who was like their passing coordinator, offensive coordinator that year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, tough ending for the Chiefs. I mean, at halftime of that game, up twenty-one to ten, and should have been twenty-eight to ten. It's twenty-one-three at halftime. No, it's twenty-one-ten. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it was twenty-one-three in the second quarter. quarter. So. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're um, yeah. The uh, I think the, I think the turning point in the game was when it was twenty-one, t- twenty-one-ten, or was it twenty-one-three? Whenever Mahomes threw his first interception to the defensive lineman, that's when the game really flipped on its head. Bengals scored, got the two-point conversion, got all the momentum back. But yeah, it was a hell of a game. Congrats to the Bengals. They're a great story. Seems like pretty much everyone in in the country is going to be rooting for them in the Super Bowl just because everyone hopping on the, the Joe Burrow train now. Yeah, the, he was like that in college. Jamar Chase was like that in college, but yeah. uh, I guess it took people time to realize it. Um, but yeah, 
that's pretty much all I have to say about the uh, the Bengals Chiefs. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, that is uh, it's a lot and. Uh, Things were looking real bleak for the Bengals, but they found a way. But uh, forget about your Fridays looking bleak. What about your Wednesdays? Villanova University's award-winning student-run weekly newspaper hits residence halls, dining halls, and academic buildings every Wednesday morning for your reading pleasure. Read up on all things Villanova and beyond, from news to sports to arts and entertainment. Have some feedback? Email your response to editor at villanovan.com. This message is brought to you by WXVU 89.1 Villanova. Moving on to the NFC Championship game. Another uh, real close game, a defensive battle for a lot of it. Um, Matthew Stafford finally uh, making it to a Super Bowl. Uh, same year where he got his first playoff win. Uh, a lot of stars on the Rams, uh, like Odell Beckham Jr. making uh, first Super Bowl appearance. Was Jalen Ramsey on the team that lost the Patriots, or was he acquired no, after? Okay, he was so not. Yeah. He was on the Jags. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey yep. making his first Super Bowl appearance as well. Um, kind of a... a Kind of a sloppy offensive game, I think it was fair to say. I think both defenses played really well. Both defensive lines uh, played well. The 49ers did a really good job against Aaron Donald, in my opinion. Uh, they did a really good And Von Miller, too. You did, like, The announcers mentioned they didn't call Von Miller's name until the second half. He didn't do anything in the first half. So I, think, I thought they did a really good job in that regard. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the game when they needed Jimmy Garoppolo to go out and try and orchestrate a game-winning drive. It was just kind of a, frankly, sad effort. Um, the 49ers will clearly be moving on from this guy. They've they've done everything but outright say we are trading him. Um, time for Trey Lance. Clearly they see something special in this kid because they traded up. Uh, they give up a lot to trade up to draft him. I'm not going to comment on whether I think it's going to be good or not. It's not fair to evaluate him yet. He's played, like, 15 minutes in the NFL, essentially. Uh, so... Yeah, great year for the 49ers though, especially how they started. I believe they were three and two. They were three and five or two and five. Yeah, I think they were three, three and five. They were three and five and uh, came about 15 minutes. They were 15 minutes away from uh, going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, just so another great year for them. A uh, couple, if they could, yeah, just I know improve quarterback play. Like I don't want to rip too much into Jimmy Garoppolo because he's been to two NFC Championship games in three years now. And the the middle year, the team was just absolutely he was injured and the team was decimated by injury. But yeah. I just he's not the long term guy there, so uh, yeah. And uh, from the Rams' perspective, um, listen, I, I think uh, like John said, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week. I do like the Rams to win the game. Matthew Stafford cannot turn the ball over. Uh, had a really bad interception, and he should have had a second really bad interception in the fourth quarter where he threw the ball. Literally, it was such a bad throw that Joe Buck said it's inter- it's picked, and then it was dropped. He, uh, yeah. Because it in, was in a game, that much to him. In if, a game where the Rams scored once before the fourth quarter, I think they only punted once the whole game. Too, yeah, a lot so. of turnovers. I think they did they lose a fumble too, or no? no. That, was, that was in the division. Interception and then uh, missed field goal. I think that's it. Downs, uh, down Stafford oh, got yeah. stop on yeah, fourth yeah, down. True, 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 true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's gonna have to clean that up against the Bengals uh, in the Super Bowl, but. Uh, like I said, credit to that Rams defense. They played really well all day. Uh, credit to Cooper Cup, another great game. Credit to Odell Beckham Jr., his first 100-yard receiving game since 2019. Um, but, uh, Danny, I, I, think it might be, I think it might be time to uh, examine uh, if it really was where Danny was right in terms of Baker. I, Odell is absolutely thriving with a, an improved quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I, he's showing that he still has it. He's going to get, I think, quite a pretty payday as a free agent in the, the summer. So... Yeah, just uh, I'm really as a former Giants fan, I'm so thrilled to see him thrive. 
Uh, he was slandered and crucified unnecessarily by the media, and I'm so glad that he's showing that he can still do it and he's still one of the premier talents in the NFL. Thoughts on the game, guys? Yeah, kind of – I can talk about, like, the offensive structure for the Rams a little bit because it kind of intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Well, first I'll talk about the, the uh, 49ers. Like, going into the game, we kind of knew that they were a pretty run-heavy offense. I mean, Debo Samuel, their top mm-hmm. receiver, pretty much got turned into, like, a, a half – yeah, like a running back yeah, by the end of the year. And uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan always has said, like, their magic number, they want to run the ball 30 times a game. Yeah, I know. And, and when you kind of put that strategy up against a top-five run defense in the whole league, like, it's – it's not going to work out. Like, I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. that the 49ers even kept it that close throughout. Mm-hmm. And it uh, really just came down to an interception at the end, kind of seal it up. But, um, again, I really liked like the moves that the Rams made at the end of the season, just kind of to f- put all their pieces in place. It, in the beginning, I was a little bit skeptical about the acquisition of Odell, just because, you know, it's kind of clog everything up a little bit. And, you know, it's... And like like we were talking about before, uh, who knows what Odell's going to bring to the locker room? Because like ever since the giant his giant days, like there hasn't been re- really any good PR. There hasn't been any good PR about him. But now we see that he's actually coming in here, and he's like Cooper Cup still had one of him one of his insane Cooper Cup games. While yep. Odell managed to grab 113 yards worth of uh, receiving too. But I think that Cam Akers coming back is also just... It's unbelievable. He uh, tore his Achilles in July. Yeah, he tore his... It's, like, he's, he came back, I think it was... Was it the last game of the regular season, I think? I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the last game of the regular season. season against and, the Niners, I think it was, yeah. And, like, you look at his stats, 13 carries, 48 yards, like, averaging 3.7, but it felt like it was just so much. It was mm-hmm. keeping the, the Niners' defense on their toes, and that really just opened up Stafford, giving him more to work with. And, again, we were talking about some of, like... He he had some bad plays. He threw he threw a pick, uh, made some questionable decisions. But when you have two of your receivers going for over a hundred yards, like I think you're having a pretty decent game. So I I expect to see a lot of the same coming to the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, that's my takeaway from that. Good to see the Rams back. Honestly, we predicted them in the beginning, and now they're here. Yeah, it was uh, another great game. Both uh, defensive lines, obviously, had, as most people expected, had a big impact in the game. Um, 49ers going up, what was it, 17-7? Um, yep. And, you know, that wasn't really a home field advantage for the Rams. I think there were more Niners fans yep. there. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of red. So it looked kind of like the Ram- or the 49ers are going to be going back to the Super Bowl, but got to give the Rams credit for coming back. I think... Uh, I think that was probably Jimmy Garoppolo's last game in San Francisco. But for as much criticism as he gets, all he's done since he's been in San Francisco is win. And if you look at Kyle Shanahan's record with Jimmy Garoppolo versus with, like, Nick Mullins, I mean, it's night and day. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. And I think he said that he wants to go to a team with a winning culture and that's ready to win. And I think, like, if, if you're a team like New Orleans who has a pretty loaded roster and you're just looking for a quarterback, I would go after Jimmy G, maybe maybe Indianapolis if you're done with Wentz. We're going to get to Carson Wentz. <laughs> all, all Jimmy G has done is, is win throughout his career. So I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he deserves all the criticism and hate that he gets. Um, also, other notes from the game, Debo Samuel, as you guys pointed to, who's kind of like a hybrid wide receiver running back. He's just insane. Um, you saw Odell consoling him after the game. Got to feel bad for Debo, who you know was a catalyst of the 49ers' yep. late season push to the NFC Championship game. 
Um, and then their defense stepped up, played a, re played a really good game, even though the Rams, for the most part, didn't really have much trouble moving the ball up and down the field. At the end of the day, they only scored 20 points. So the Niners' defense did enough to win the game. But you got to give the Rams credit for winning a close one. And um, I'm just going to be interested to see, like, the – fan dynamic at the Super Bowl because that is so pathetic if you're a Rams fan. Like, what a what a joke. Your stadium just got invaded in the NFC Championship game. Like, come on. I get, I, maybe it's just because they moved and there's not any fans. Yeah. In they ha the Rams have fans. They're just all in St. Louis. I guess, yeah. But, like, I don't know. If I was a fan of a team and they moved, I think I would probably still stay. Like, if I, if I was a St. Louis Rams fan when they moved to L.A., I would probably still be a Rams fan. I don't know. But another great game. I'm elated that that is the last time I have to listen to Troy Aikman this year. What an absolute <laughs> clown show. Is the Super Bowl CBS or? I think it's NBC. NBC. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it might be Al Michaels' like, last game. That yeah, they're, they're phasing him out. I don't really get that. He's still great. Uh, I don't know if that's his choice or the network's. Yeah, uh, the network is, I think it, it seems like it's the network. But. Yeah. yeah, I just saw a headline about it. I didn't read into it. But uh, the Super Bowl, yeah, I guess we'll just talk about it more next week. Preview yeah. that on next week's show. And, like, did you see the – I think the cheapest ticket for the Super Bowl is, like, $6,000 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like Ridiculous. Maybe that's the way they're trying to keep it, only L.A. people. But, you know, I think Cincinnati fans are going to travel. and There's oh, not yeah. going to be much of, if any, a home field advantage. No. Like, not and that, there's not also that they even have it during the regular season, honestly, because yeah. their fans don't show up. Like, there's so many, I mean, everyone from the NFL goes to the Super Bowl, so there's, there's so many, like, unbiased yeah. people that yep. it, there's going to be more of that than I, I would think, like, Bengals yeah, and this, I, it's, I, I Yeah, I don't even know. If it's, it's, it is crazy, though. The last, there had never been a home Super Bowl, and now we get two in a row. Yeah. Um, will history repeat itself? Yeah, will history, will history repeat itself, indeed. I don't know. So, uh, moving on. Uh, I've been away from this microphone for almost two months now, so there's been a lot of happenings in sports, um, obviously, while I've been gone. Um, the MLB lockout is ongoing. That really annoys me. I, the, the progress is slow. Uh, spring training is looking to be delayed, as I said it probably would be. Uh, I think the regular season should knock on wood, still be fine, but I don't uh, know. that is just agonizing. Like, guys, you just lost so many millions of dollars. Uh, in the past two years because of COVID, how, how are we not figuring this out? It's not hard. Um, well, if you if you delay games in the season, it like it doesn't help anybody. Like, yeah. every every party loses. Yeah, exactly. And so. I, like, last I read on the lockout was, like, kind of compromised on, like, maybe a topic or two, but they're still, like, it, They're far still from, very far apart, yeah. and negotiations are uh, not in the best faith right now. But just there's just one thing that I had to talk about, and I know it's old news at this point, but I absolutely have to talk about it and that is i am one was 110 percent correct about carson wentz oh correct correct in what way correct that he is absolutely not the answer for the colts he is not the guy he will not get them where they're going that is a super bowl caliber roster that the indianapolis colts have that this guy just could not capitalize on uh i wanted to talk carson wentz before the collapse um, after the Arizona game, which to his credit, he did play pretty well in, um, he was well. He was a key reason for their win um, when they were just absolutely decimated by COVID. I think as the Cardinals shooting themselves in the foot too, as we saw them absolutely free fall down the stretch. But thank you, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but after that game, he was getting a lot of love from the media. 
in the I'm going to ignore his last two games for now because we're going to get to those and it's going to be fantastic for me to talk about. But uh, his, pri- his prior games earlier in the season, the games where he passed the ball the most, the games where he was forced to be involved the most are the games that the Colts lost. And I know, yes, game script, if you're behind, you're going to throw the ball more. However, uh, Tam- the Tampa Bay game, he had his second most attempts of the season through 44 passes. That wasn't because they were losing. That game was tied most of the game. And they have him throwing the ball. A ton. They're not handing off Jonathan Taylor because Tampa Bay has a good run defense. And, oh, what happens? You lose. Uh, 51 pass attempts against the Titans, loss. Uh, 37 against the Titans, loss. 31 against the Rams, loss. Um, I know he wasn't turning the ball over much, and that's just because the, the Colts had to run the safest possible offense for him because they don't trust him to throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field. Uh, his yard, He had uh, worse yards per attempt than Taylor Heineke and Jalen Hurts, the guy who replaced him, by the way, uh, in Philadelphia here. And uh, his average air yards per attempt were behind household names uh, like Mac Jones. And I know I know Mac had like, a pretty good year, but he's not throwing the ball down the field. Josh Johnson, the, uh, the uh, Ravens backup. Drew Locke, Jalen Hurts. And just ahead of Stalwart's, like, Geno Smith. And, uh, yeah, like, Geno Smith. So he is uh, really just the check down king. So I know his stats aren't really going to be suffering in terms of turnovers. He's getting decent amount of yards, decent amount of touchdowns, but that's why. And when you ha- when you're leaning on him to have to win you a game, you he he can't do it. He can't do it. He's not that guy. And you saw Colts have two chances: win and in at home against a decent Raider team, and on the road against the worst team in the NFL. And what happens in both games? This guy absolutely goes out there and embarrasses himself. Against the, Ra- against the Raiders, 148 yards, one touchdown, uh, one touchdown um, five and a half yards per attempt. And no, no turnovers, but he missed throws that average quarterbacks make. And if he makes those throws, the Colts win those, that game and go to the playoffs. I'm reminded of a third down in the third quarter where I believe it was T.Y. Hilton who was just absolutely wide open um, for, to set up a game-winning field goal. And Wentz missed him by a solid six feet. And then Jacksonville, on the road, worst team in the NFL. Worst team in the NFL, and we can't get a win. Uh, he had a, he threw an interception in that game. He lost a fumble. Uh, he threw a pick. He threw what should have been a pick, but like got called back. Um, it was just it was terrible. And I, the Colts defense didn't play well that game. But you got 11 points against the Jacks. It is a win or go home situation. You cannot ask for a better. If you, as a Colts fan, ask for a scenario. You, uh, that to make to clinch a playoff spot, win against the Jaguars and in is probably what they'd come up with because you know beating the worst team in the NFL, you control your own destiny. They're terrible. They won two games before that. Oh my God! Uh, if you think this guy, I I know he had talent. I know he's great in Philly. It's over. It's done. He's not the guy. He can't do it. Move on. Over. If the, I if I'm the Colts, I'm making every possible push for upper echelon quarterback talent, whether that's Watson, Rodgers, or Wilson. Because if you get those guys in that building, you are a top three team in the NFL instantly. You have that much talent on your roster. I think they also need uh, to get some receivers. The receiving core has to be one of the worst in the NFL. They do need some receivers, but that defense, the way they take the ball away, and Jonathan Taylor behind that offensive line. Uh, improve the wide receiver position. T.Y. Hilton's getting up there. Zach Pascal is not a legitimate number two in the NFL. I think Jack Doyle's going to retire too, and he wasn't great this year either. Michael Pittman's there. Yeah, Michael Pittman's on the come up. Yeah. 
but so I think you can stick with him. But T.Y. Hilton's going to be like sixty years old in February. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I, I think you got to get rid of add him. A re- yeah, add a receiver, free agency, or the draft. But if you get an yeah. upper level quarterback in, that is a Super Bowl roster. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But they did just lose their defensive coordinator. They did to uh, the Bears. So we'll see the impact that has mm-hmm. on their uh, on their on their defense next season. But yeah. I have to agree with Nicholas. That's pretty bad for uh, the Colts to have a win-and-in scenario against the worst team in the NFL, and they couldn't get it done. So they really have – I mean, especially after their really, really bad start and then coming back end of the year, COVID everywhere in their building. You got everyone healthy, winning in against the Jags, and you can't get it done. Kind of a – it was kind of a bummer. Uh, I was watching the in-season hard knocks with, yep. with the Colts, and it was really, really good. I, I liked it better than the training camp version. So I was kind of hoping the Colts would win so that they could keep that keep that show going. But, yeah, that was a pretty big choke. Um, it'll, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with Carson Wentz because Frank Wright is very, very close with Carson, and he has been since their Philadelphia days. And from what I was seeing on Twitter, he was pretty unhappy with Wentz after the game. And Jim say their owner, I don't think is going to be content on – missing the playoffs yeah. next year with the roster that they yeah. currently have. So When I Googled Carson Wentz to find his stats earlier, the uh, top headline is an article from Philly, and it is, Will Carson Wentz move again? Sportsbook thinks so. Sportsbooks think so. Colts hope so. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it, it's time to move on. I don't know if you want to draft quarterback. Oh, no, the, right, the Eagles have their pick. The Eagles have their first-round pick uh, from the oh, trade. true. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Rodgers might be on the move. Yeah, uh, you trade a congrats. Yeah, yeah, great, great trade, in, great trade, Indy. You traded a first round pick for this guy. Really, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if you're Indy going into this offseason, you just have to make sure you lock up Jonathan Taylor yep. and like the key pieces on your defense, and then from there you can't really get much worse at many other the other positions. So I mean, again, just focus. You made a good points with Wentz and like the relationships on the team, but. You know, you got to move on. Yeah. Like, there's no way. This, like, you you expect him to take you into the Super Bowl, like the way that we've seen him play in the past couple of weeks. Like, no, he he had two games where he could be clutch. I mean, he had good wins before that, but two games where he could really be clutch and just like send his team into the playoffs, and he just choked in every one of them. So and they beat, can't, can't they, have that. They everyone talked about the game in uh, in Buffalo, where um, Patriots threw the ball three times in one. Um, that that was mostly weather. Uh, when New England played the um, played the Colts, Carson Wentz played every snap uh, and was five for twelve for fifty seven yards in a game that the Colts won. <laughs> so it, inside in a dome. So that was uh, that was game script. Uh, that is oh my god, I can't believe. And you know the funny thing is he had one hundred forty eight yards against the Raiders. His best play of the game. His best play of the game was targeting T.Y. Hilton. He underthrew the ball into double coverage, and the ball gets batted straight up uh, to a wide-open T.Y. Hilton standing in the corner of the end zone who just grabs it for, like, a 45-yard touchdown. So without that, he has no score. It should have been an interception. Should, should have no scores and should have thrown for 100 yards. That is, like, it's, it's agonizing to me that people think this guy is good. Uh, sorry. Moving on. Uh, I definitely want to talk about... Uh, a big game tonight for the Villanova Wildcats on the road at Marquette. Really, really late tip, 10 o'clock. Uh, that's nine. Low. I, yeah, it's even late for them. Yeah, why, Danny, do you have any idea why? I know, no, you know I, your brother goes to Marquette. I have no clue. My whole family's going, going to a game besides me. Didn't yeah. get the invite. It's, kind of, <laughs> it's unfortunate. Sorry. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know why it's so late. I, Marquette has a tendency to do this. I don't know why. 
Like, it's weird. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, uh, 10 o'clock tip tonight. Um, Villanova played Marquette earlier in the year in the pavilion. It was their first loss in the pavilion uh, since the Furman game when we were freshmen. Um, I believe Nova was laid like 13 points in that game and uh, just absolutely collapsed down the stretch. Marquette couldn't Mar- couldn't, could not score, could not buy a basket, and then Marquette uh, shot the three ball really well. They didn't do a lot else particularly well that game, but they really shot the three ball well, and down the stretch that was the difference. Uh, made some huge threes to eke out a win, and now they're back in the top 25. They, I believe they're 24. Um, yep. Villanova's 12 on the road. Uh, this is This is a big one. Um, Marquette, I like. I was at that Marquette game, and like it was cl- the it was clear to the for me that for the players that was their Super Bowl. Like uh, every shot they hit, they were going absolutely crazy. Shaka Smart is just on the sideline, losing his mind. Just like I, they they score a layup. He's he's like he's jumping even, over the scorers. He's insane table. in person. Yeah, like he's even more. Crazy he bring, he brings the energy. He I does, love Shaka. He does bring the energy. Yeah, he's one of. It was hard to root. It's yeah, always hard to root against him. He's one of my favorite like yeah. personalities and. And his players love him. They yeah. they go hunting ten percent for him because he he cares. They care. I don't know. And if you thought if you think. Uh, Villanova, or sorry, Marquette at Villanova was Marquette Super Bowl. Wait till tonight. Pfizer Forum. I've been there in person. That place gets absolutely rocking. I don't. It. I think National Marquette Day is normally on a Saturday, so I don't believe it's National Marquette Day. But it'll be a sellout. I. They'll probably have like a blue out or a yellow out. It's gonna be a sick environment. Villanova cannot be rattled. Jermaine Samuels, your fifth year senior. Let's go. Step up. Score some points. Talking to you, Jermaine. And yeah. then, but yeah, it's it's gonna be a crazy environment. Marquette's got a good team. And they're coming off of a loss on uh, Sunday, so they're going to be playing angry. If if you thought Shaka wanted the one at Villanova, he, he, he's going to want this one even more. So yeah. it should be a great game. Yeah, Danny, and we were talking about it before the game, but uh, Marquette's star player, Justin Lewis, who's the who's a freshman who just kind of broke out seemingly out of nowhere. Like I, I said it last week. I'll keep saying it this week. He is Jermaine Samuel's potential, and he's a freshman. Like he's just He's a big guy. Not afraid to like shoot it. Like he can he can knock down the three, but he like uses his physicality every time that he gets the ball. And I mean, we were talking about it, like he kinda just did that against Villanova and then I think the Seton Hall Marquette at Seton Hall was right after that and he dropped thirty three nine and that was six. the day yeah. that so. was the day you said, Look I'm just yeah, that was, he goes out and drops. The, the very day I said that he goes out and almost puts up a like four assists and one rebound from a triple double. So I mean it's gonna be about containing him, but I, I have a lot of confidence in our guys right now. I think that, you know, that was kind of a Big East wake-up call right there. Did we lose in the Big East before that? Yeah, we did. At the very beginning. Creighton. Creighton. Yeah, yeah, we lost to Creighton. But, you know, that was like a first thing. But then, like, mid-season Big East, like, they take one off of us, and we're like, okay, back to reality, but let's get into it. And we kind of saw that at St. John's. When St. John's came here, I was at that game, too, and uh, we looked like a confident team. You know, Absolutely brutal backdoor cover by the Johnnies, though. That is unbelievable. That is true. I, I still don't understand their coach. Uh, he was getting chippy in the game there. Uh, Villanova's up 14 with, like, uh, I think 20 seconds left. Uh, Didn't they called. They made a three. Yeah, St. John's made a three, cut to 11. They call a timeout. Villanova just inbounds the ball and dribbles up the clock. They don't foul. Like I know. You, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get you call a timeout. I don't understand that timeout. Call a timeout with 20 seconds get left in the game when. Well, it, was it twenty seconds, thirty seconds? It might have been less. It might have been like fifteen. <laughs> yeah, like what? What are you ta- What are you saying to your team in the huddle? All right, like, uh, all right just let uh, them dribble it out. Okay. Like, <laughs> uh, when we get on the bus, I, I want seniors sitting in the back, 
uh, uh, Julian, you can pass out the orange slices. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Yeah, but that's how it went. Yeah. Uh, that just about that game. Jule- uh, champagne, like I, I know it's I spelled champagne really, but it's not champagne. Champagne, yeah, champagne. champagne. Uh, he's like he's one of the most talented players in the conference. I think he had nine points. Like he really, really did not play well at yeah. all. And he was, was hearing it from the students too. He, that was, game. he was, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, the student section. Over, especially by the St. John's bench was especially rowdy. I don't, I'm like I, I don't know why, but it was Saturday game. Saturday game. Saturday four thirty game, I guess. So yeah, it was a, it was a rowdy one uh, on on Saturday. But for tonight, this is in these next two games, Marquette and UConn on Saturday, probably the most critical stretch of Villanova season. I'm right now. I'm kind of on the fence to you know, in my opinion, of if I think Villanova. Has the potential to make a run for the, uh, at the Final Four, and these next two games are going to—they uh, mm-hmm. are—they're going to have a lot of say in—in in, in my opinion, because yeah. right now I think Villanova's got a really good team, but I still Justin Moore has been a little too inconsistent for my liking. Colin Gillespie's had a pretty pretty good year for the most part, um, but then Jermaine Samuels, the fifth-year senior, has been—I guess—underwhelming would be the word to use uh he's a fifth year senior man like come on like what game was it the xavier game or seton hall when they went on the road when he didn't even score a point like tonight you gotta want the ball you're the best athlete on the court like you have the potential to take over marquette sophomore year you are the reason villanova won the game you took over and dropped 30 you have lottery pick nba potential let's see it tonight in a big game um because he's gonna he's probably gonna be matched up against justin lewis and or maybe maybe Slater will be, but yeah. It's, uh, just something I, I want to discuss. Um, past month or so, uh, Sl- uh, Brandon Slater's offensive production has vanished. But in that Eric text, Dixon. Eric Dixon. Oh my! Every yep. every game, I was saying to John because John preseason was very bullish on this guy. Every game he gets a little better, and his level of play from the start of the season versus now is night and day. And if he can just get a little better. A little better, not in, in the post. This uh, finishing in the post, he is gonna be an absolute nightmare for teams to have to try and contain. With how well Villanova shoots the three-point shot, how everyone on the floor can shoot, trying to contain this guy one-on-one because that was that was the bread and butter really of the 2016 team. You get Daniel Chefu down in the post, and if you bring help, you're gonna kick out and get an open yeah, three. Exactly. And if you leave him one-on-one down there, he's gonna score most of the time. So I'm not saying that he's I'm not saying he's Daniel Cheffield level yet, but I think he has potential. And if he can create, if he can be that guy that just scores at will at the post, and if you bring help, it's kick out, extra pass, extra pass, extra pass, open three, look out. Yeah, and I think it's, I think he's been here technically for three years, right? Was it a sophomore year when he, when he kind of debuted? But I think he, I think he redshirted and then got a COVID year, so he's still technically a freshman. Which is, you know, something to keep in mind for the future and and uh, for his development. But one thing, like I, lo- I love Biggie, but you know, the one thing that I kind of saw in the St. John's game was what, they had that huge guy down low who was just like swatting the heck out of every shot that you saw. Mm-hmm. And like when you have a guy that's bigger than Eric Dixon, like kind of in the post, like his a lot of his style is about kind of like getting off of the guy on his back and then like kind of getting yeah. around him for a layup. But when you have a guy that just has a bigger wingspan it's a lot tougher to do that so i i kind of want to see like what the answer is for that when we have to maybe 
eventually go up against a team like Purdue again where they have just a huge guy down yeah, low like, that can kind of shut seven them down. seven-foot guy? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Because, like, in that case, if you're, you know, well, how, how tall is Edie? He's, like, 7'4 seven, four seven, or something? 7'4, yeah. So if you have a guy that's, like, six inches taller than you, you can't really yeah. rely on your post moves that much. No. Yeah. But, but everything that I've seen from Eric Dixon I've liked, it's just gotten better through the season, like you said. I mean, he I, in the St. John's game, he took one three and he made it. I think that he can keep developing that yeah, shot. He then, doesn't shoot the three a lot. He no, sh- but he's he yeah. makes them. Yeah, he, he makes shoots them all the time. Yeah, he shoots less than one three a game, but he is shooting in a small sample size fifty six percent. Oh, and, and speaking of three, just to kind of like move, unless you want to talk about Dixon more, but like I, I like what I like what I'm seeing out of Jay with the use of Jordan Longino. Yeah, me too. I mean. He he pretty much seemed like the one freshman that could kind of work his way into the ro- the regular rotation, and now Danny like, was on that preseason. Yeah. And now now since he's starting, uh, he's actually starting to like stroke the ball with confidence from three, and mm-hmm. he's starting to hit him yep. like the heat. That could be invaluable coming off the bench. Yeah. I think I don't know if Antoine was Antoine didn't play against St. No, John's. I, I don't think he got he hurt. Had an practice. ankle injury. Yeah, practice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's playing. They need him. Cause they need him. They do. But, yeah, but sorry, if he, but sorry, he's like sticks and paper. His bones are sticks and his skin's paper. It's like he's gonna, yeah. he, he's hurt like every other game. He's for, for, for being the second highest recruit in the history of Villanova basketball. He has been a uh, kind of a bust. I don't don't mean. Uh, yeah, but when we, like you know when we've seen him on the court, like it seems like he's developing like he's every potential. game and then getting a little bit better and then like yeah, he's down for another couple of weeks and yeah. I mean, it's not his yeah. fault. Obviously. I don't want to rip on the guy. It's yeah. not like a JQ situation where you show up here, you don't, you don't really try, you don't give your hardest, and then you transfer and you do. So, like, I'm not like he's hurt. He doesn't want to be hurt. It's not his fault. But it's it's tough to it's tough to see. But yeah, Jordan Longino, if he could be, we we talked early in the season. Like, gotta get you gotta rotate guys in. They don't have to be huge contribute. They don't have to be stars. They don't have to be focal points of the team. You gotta get guys to contribute, just so you can rest Gillespie and more and not. For you know three four minutes and ha- not be down eight when you check him back in, um, Jordan Longino is shooting a lot, showing a lot of proficiency shooting the three, uh, and I think yeah I think he could be a big I think he could be a solid piece and you see that you see Antoine and uh, Longino really starting to cannibalize Chris Arch's minutes, which uh, I think is probably for the best. <laughs> I think wow. I think we're all in agreement there, uh, but. Yeah, a big one tonight. I I was really frustrated after that Marquette game. I want to get him back. I want to get him back on their home court and Amen, uh, come out with a win. I uh, I said this on the show last week, and I'm sticking by it, especially after UConn lost last night. I think Nova shows up tonight, uh, gets hot from three, makes you know 40, 45 percent from from the three point line, gets a big win on the road, and I think UConn comes to Wells Fargo and uh, steals a W on Saturday. I think uh, getting one of the two, I think I would sign up for one of the two. I get getting going one and one in the next two games. I would sign up for because I think uh, there there could be a chance it's it's zero and two. Two and zero is greedy, but I think tonight Villanova shows up, gets a big win on the road. UConn beats them on Saturday. UConn shot like twenty nine percent from the field last night against Creighton. Lost at home. Creighton was in desperate need of a win after blowing a. I think they were up 19 at halftime against Xavier on Saturday and lost the game. So Creighton's playing for their NCAA tournament lives. They went on the road, beat a good UConn team. Tonight, Nova goes on the road, gets the dub. The thing is about Villanova basketball is they do, for in, in many, many, many games, they live and die by the three. And I think 
we, we've kind of been waiting for that Villanova offensive explosion game for the past month, and I think we're going to get it tonight. I think Villanova. I think we got it against Butler when uh, they won by forty. <laughs> oh yeah, I get. I mean, yeah, but that was against. It wasn't uh, against like no no shame on Butler. Yeah, that was but it wasn't Butler. against like you know a, a top a top yeah. of conf- top after of scoring fifty four points at home a couple yeah. weeks ago in Marquette, I think the offense bounces back and has a has a big night. But it's up to the to the two leaders of the team, uh, Jermaine Samuels. I'm sorry, my guy, you're the fifth year, but I can't consider you a leader when you are scared to play in big moments and you don't want the ball. So the two leaders of the team, Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore, mm-hmm. you got to show up tonight. Both of them have to have good games. Yep. You can't have Justin Moore going, you know, one of ten from three. three yep. So both of them, you're the two best players on the team. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Colin Gillespie's played 706 minutes. Justin Moore's played 707. And the third third on the team is Jermaine Samuels with 608. So Jay Wright knows it. He's got his two best players, Gillespie and Moore. you got to show up tonight. got to show why you're an all-big all East caliber player. And in Gillespie's case, a preseason first-team All-American. So Wooden watch. Wooden watch for Colin. Um, uh, he was named, I believe, t- top 20 today. Top 20. Uh, yeah, top 20. Uh, Colin. For Wooden, wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Just got got to neutralize Justin Lewis. Can't let him go for you know twenty five points, ten boards. I think as you guys were saying about Eric Dixon, my mentality when it goes when it comes to Dixon is if you can just defend and rebound, anything any anything you get from in the scoring department is a bonus. But I mean he's scoring nine point three yeah. points per game, and as you guys said the past month he's been re- really really playing solid solid basketball. Seems like he's gaining some confidence every game, and if he can keep this up come come tournament time he can be a key cog yeah. on this team. So. Got to tip your cap to Eric Dixon. Just want to say he sat in front of me at the Michigan game freshman year when we were getting uh, beat up on pretty bad, and I tapped him. <laughs> and on, yeah. I tapped him on the shoulder. And I said, "Hey, buddy, do you want?" Because they showed him on the jumbotron like Villanova recruit, and I tapped him I'm like, "Oh, that's Eric Dixon." Eric, do you want to go on the gameplay for us? I think he might help us out. And he laughed. And rumor is that's the reason why he's at Villanova. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, <laughs> comedic, comedic genius. Word on the street. Yeah, uh, Justin Moore. To your point, Danny, three of his last four games shooting under 40% from the field, uh, especially against St. John's, really did not shoot the ball well. Going to need him to gonna need him to, to improve on that. He shot the ball really well against Georgetown. Um, so going to need a similar uh, – you need him to be efficient. I don't even – I don't even – I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not even looking for volume from him so much as I'm looking for efficiency. When he's – he shoots. He like that's his thing. If he, but when he's not making shots, it it gets problematic. He needs to be efficient tonight. I don't care if it's only, you know, four of like four of seven, if, for ten points. But he's just be efficient. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get, take good shots. Be efficient. And, he's, yeah, he's definitely like an offense yeah. first kind of guy. I I, don't, I can't remember like that. Any, though, any, that block he had against St. John. That, that was true. that was special. No, but I mean, like, what I mean by that is I've never seen, like, a Justin Moore great assist that mm. really, like, stands out in my yeah. mind or, like, a crazy pass. So, he is the shooter. Like, sometimes, sometimes the, like, the offense beyond the arc seems a little too pass-heavy. Like, and that's kind of weird to say for Villanova just because that's what happens. But he seems like when we're just kind of, s- s- like, slinging around the arc for a while, like, he's the guy that ends up taking the three. Yeah. So, those looks have to go in. But, yeah. Definitely. Danny, uh, yo, I just want to mention, Danny, you've been very high on UConn this year. Um, they have a lot of talent, but something I definitely want to talk about is the Providence Friars are currently in first place in the Big East. They're half a game ahead of Villanova. They have two losses the entire year. They lost to UVA before conference play, and they lost to Mar- on the road at Marquette by a, a solid 32 uh, <laughs> earlier in the season. But uh, their out-of-conference schedule, I would say, is really weak. Um, I think they're, they're 
I guess their best at non-conference wins probably Texas Tech. Uh, they won They've by four. Texas home. Tech is really, yeah, they're good. really good. They're really good. They're really good. But Texas Tech was unranked at the time. This was before they really hit their stride. Uh, they beat Wisconsin, beat Texas Tech, but a lot of games against the University of New Hampshire, Fairfield University, uh, UV, uh, University of Vermont, who I know is a, a trendy March Madness pick every year. But a lot of weak opponents. And, but listen, they're nine and one in conference. Wins at Xavier versus Marquette. Um, have they played UConn yet? Providence has. They beat, they beat UConn. Yeah. They beat. People are making excuses not giving Providence their credit because they beat, uh, beat UConn, UConn on the road, and I think they also beat Seton Hall on the road. They did. Uh, no, the Seton Hall game was, was at home. Yeah, the Seton Hall game was at home. Their um, road game against Seton Hall was both. But Seton Hall and UConn were both shorthanded due to injuries slash COVID uh, for those games, so people aren't really giving Providence any credit. But, I mean, they're 18-2. and two. Two. 19 and 2. Nine, or 19 and 2, and they're the 15th ranked team in the country. If yeah. Kansas was ever 19 and 2, I think they would stop the season just already give them the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Providence, Ed Cooley, I've, I've always really liked him. I think he's a really good coach. They got that transfer from Indiana, Durham, who's been big for them this year. Um, yep. But when Providence first plays Villanova, that's obviously going to be one of the biggest games yep. of the uh, Big East Conference season. Yep. They, uh, they, the they two current. games are at the end of the season. Are to, uh, they have not played yet. The two games for these teams are towards the end of the season. I believe one is the last yet. Yeah. It's the last conference game for both teams on March 1st here, and, and the game at Providence is in two weeks in February on February 15th, a Tuesday. So uh, those are two games that are going to go a long, long way to deciding the regular season champion in the Big East. When was the last time Villanova didn't win at or least at least share? have a share of the regular season Big East title? I think it was 2018. I think Xavier just outright won it. 2018? Yeah, I think Xavier outright won the Big East that year. You sure? I'm not. Well, they were one seed also. They right? were one seed. Yeah. They were two in the Wait, country. No, 2018 was our, no, that was our freshman year. No, the, 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 year, the, the year that like the year that oh, ended, oh, yeah, oh, like oh. 2017, 2018, the year Villanova won the national championship. I'm yeah. pretty, I'm pretty sure they didn't even get a share. Yeah, you might be right because they were. I'm pretty sure they were. Xavier was number two in the country. They were a one seed. Yeah, uh, you guys might be right. Yeah, that was their one great year. But back to Providence a little bit. I think that 15 is a little bit overranked for them. Or like a little bit better than they should than they actually are. I mean, they're nineteen and two, but if you, you know, they they got pretty much blown out by their two losses. They both got blown out. One of them was against Virginia, who just hasn't really been good this year, and the other was was against Marquette, like you said, by thirty two. And again, I mean, it, it was at Marquette, but great teams like that aren't getting blown out by thirty two. And I mean, what, what did we what did we lose by when we got blown out? Did we get Green, blown? Yeah, twenty. But that 20. was kind of. I mean, I think it was. Yeah. That was like that was, that was a back. It was a, cl- it was a closer game. That was a backdoor. Ver- I, I don't know no, what but to call like, it. yeah, I mean, you, like you see these great teams. Yeah, yeah, back, yeah. <laughs> the great like top fifteen teams aren't losing that bad, and I think even in these past like five games, you beat St. John's unranked by four, and I think that was like some last minute type of magic. You play Marquette again, beat him by two. Xavier beat him by three. And then Butler and Georgetown, who like Villanova, pretty much blew out both times. Uh, you only beat them by seven and eight. So, I'd be I'm, I'm really interested to see if like if they're going to live up to the hype by the time they we go to the I think it's the Dunkin' Donuts Center where they yeah play. it is they they come to the Pavilion, and then yeah it's just going to be a real test for them. They, their big guy Nate Watson, it seems like he always has a good, a good game against us. So that's going to be another Eric Dixon tester oh, yeah. like in one of the bigger moments. I saw a stat that Providence. Um, is number one in the country in terms of close like close games, their winning percentage. 
Uh, so but like, John, take that how you will. Yeah, you, you might be you might be onto something there with because I mean, only two losses this deep into the season. I think you know you can't win every close game because obviously in sports games come come down to one or two plays and if the ball bounces you know the other team's way. Providence could be you know on the short end of the stick and have seven or eight losses. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it up deep into uh, the Big East tournament and into the NCAA tournament, but. Yeah, Providence has probably been the story of the of the Big East conference season yeah. so far. And yeah, sorry to go back, circle back. We were correct. Twenty seven, twenty eighteen. Xavier was the outright champion. Villanova has won at least a share of it every other year, um, include since and including the twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen season. And they were outright champs every year except our sophomore year, where it was a three way tie between Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova. Wow. Yep. So maybe it's best for us to let Providence win regular season, and yeah. we can take the natty. Yeah, the year Villanova won the national championship. championship. Uh, so that was Brunson's last. So, yeah, so 2017-2018. I'm pretty sure Villanova lost both games to St. John's. St. No, 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 it was Butler, I'm pretty sure. I think it was Butler. Butler, no, Butler was, um, I think Butler was the first national championship in 2016 where they Maybe. lost both games. I, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I, they got swept by somebody. I'm checking right no, now. No, yeah, you are right. They did get swept by Butler the year, the year they won the national championship, but I think that was 2016. 16, yeah. Uh, 20, no, 2017, uh, nobody swept them. They lost games to... At home to St. John's. Yeah, they lost at home to St. John's, and they lost on the road to Creighton and overtime, Providence, and Butler. And the Butler game, they gave them 100. Oh, yeah. I remember that. But, I, I mean, I can't remember the last time Villanova got swept by Marquette. So, for tonight, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a great game, but I do, I do like the Cats. Saturday is going to be a big test. for. I, I think Saturday is a bigger test than tonight because UConn just athletically, they have, they have so much size. They have athletes everywhere on the, all over the floor. So, if you were looking for a test for Eric Dixon, their big guy Sonogo is an absolute tank. So we're gonna see how how he does, how he matches up with him. But these next two games, as we've said, are uh, probably the two biggest of Villanova season. Yeah, it's I just sorry to circle back, but it's interesting. They lost the regular season championship when they won the 2018 title, and 2016 they didn't get swept by Butler, but they did lose the Big East tournament to Seton Hall. Seton Hall, oh yeah, championship. So I don't know. Do we want to do we want to throw one of these? One of these titles here, guys. <laughs> Try and get a third natty. Yeah, I don't want to win them. Yeah, I'd rather if we had to choose. I yeah. mean, if we had to choose, obviously <laughs> take the national championship. But do we like you know send out Chris Arch out there for uh, thirty-five minutes in the Big East championship Chris Arch game? Chris Arch likes the game. Let, let's see. Yes, jack up twelve threes. Yeah. Jay takes the handcuffs off, and we see yeah. why he was a five-star recruit, number one prospect coming out of high school. <laughs> Why every college coach in the country wanted him? Was was he like? Did he have? Was he a star recruit? Yeah, he probably was like a two star. Let's say. Yeah, me and my friends have a bet going that if if the if we win the national championship on a Eric no, Dixon <laughs> on an Eric Dixon assist to a Chris Arch three pointer at the buzzer, then he has to just unenroll. So if we have to win the national championship by at the buzzer with Eric Dixon assisting a Chris Arch three pointer, he has to <laughs> so unenroll from yeah, school. Just unenroll, yeah. Yeah, and where it says wait, was, was Chris Arch? Just, did he did he have any stars? No, that's so bad. Like, just I'm not trying to be mean. This Villanova won two national championships in the past what five seasons, and you have like come on, Jay. His brother was a good player, but you don't give you don't give him a scholarship just because of his brother. That's awful. God. No stars. 
twenty four seven had him with those stars. Composite had him as two. Rivals has him as none. ESPN has him as none. Um, what were his other offers? Uh, let's see. Oh, this is this is just you know the uh, the pinnacle of elite level college basketball. Ready? Mount St. Mary's, Quinnipiac, Eastern Kentucky, Ryder, Udell, Presbyterian College, Toledo, Robert Morris, and LaSalle. Okay, so let's just go over something. (laughs) Not one of those programs will be playing in the NCAA tournament, yet for a national championship caliber program, Chris Arch was getting significant minutes. How does that make sense? It doesn't. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know, Danny. I think Presbyterian College is coming this year. Like, <laughs> come on. There is not one other Power 5 school on that list. Not one of those schools will be playing in the NCAA tournament. Or maybe one of them is going to win the, the Cheez-It Conference and, and, <laughs> and, and get the pleasure of losing by 70 to Gonzaga. So, sure, I, I don't want I don't mean to take anything away from them. <laughs> the Cheez-It Conference. Oh, my Damn. goodness gracious. Yeah. So this two four seven says he is the number five recruit in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there are four better recruits in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Oh, apparently, that's what this says. Oh my god. Yeah. That is. Wow. That is that that is. I will say that really is an eye opener. I've never looked to see what his other offers were, and that he's on scholarship. Yeah. I Does mean, if you want to have any is. Kevin Voigt or whatever is is he is he a walk on? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, like you could. I mean, if you want to have the guy like be a preferred walk on or something, yeah, fine. I, but don't waste a scholarship, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that wraps that up. Yeah, that is. Yeah, <laughs> Villanova, ten o'clock. Turn in. Um, yep. So um, moving right along. I mean, what do you guys want to talk about? I I think we save the Super Bowl for next week. But yeah, definitely save it for next week. We, um, um, I think I think Danny, I'm sorry. I wait. think we might have to talk about the NBA. No, sorry. What are you gonna say? Does that do we should we do like a where where blank was right where was wrong segment sure. or do you got? Yeah. I think we to... both picked the Rams to win the NFC, didn't we, Danny? Um, I know you did. Yeah, I had the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. I had Georgia winning the national championship in the preseason and the Rams winning the Super Bowl, so that could be two for two. That could be. I mean, yeah, I, I, th- I think I, I think I picked the Chiefs Rams Super Bowl, so I was very, I was very close. Yeah, I, I think I had the Bucks, and I forget who I had coming out of the, the other conference. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> none of us know. had the Bengals. Okay. I'll tell you that. Yeah, they were. You, did you know the Bengals were? I think the fourth. They had the, they fourth had the same worst odds as odds. Jacksonville. Yeah. The exact one hundred twenty-five. They one. had the same odds as the Jets. I think there were three. There I, were no, three teams that had worse odds to make the Super Bowl than the Bengals preseason. It was Texans, Lions, and then maybe the Jets. I, I don't know. Are you sure it was three? I thought it was just the Texans I, it, and it could, Lions. Yeah, I don't. It could I know there were 75, 75 to one, right? Seventy five to one. Um, I'm not sure. The guy sitting next to me at the Bills game had a future on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. So if they win, he's gonna be going nuts. <laughs> but uh, yeah. NFL betting, Bengals had the same odds as the Jets. Yeah. Oh, as the Jets? Yeah, preseason odds as the Jets. Wow. The Jets beat the Bengals, by the way. Transitive so property champions. We, we, yeah, we should be in the Super Bowl right now. Wow. Um, just one thing that I do want to say uh, on the topic of Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is getting ripped for his divisional round performance 
and uh, lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, last time I checked, quarterback wins are not a statistic in the NFL. How many games over the course of Tom Brady's career? If that ever ha- so, Rodgers is the one getting all the blame. Not the special teams coach where you you have a missed field goal attempt, a blocked field goal or blocked punt returned for a touchdown, and on the final play of the game, you line up with not 11 players but 10. The only other time I've ever seen that in a football game was by legendary future Hall of Fame head coach Matt Patricia <laughs> when the Lions did it twice. One time lining up with 10 players in a field goal. The other time lining up with not 12, but 13 players. I was at the game at Lambeau. Uh, flag on the Lions. Uh, first down Packers. Next play, touchdown. That's that's winning football out of Coach do you, Patricia. Do you call... 13 men on the field there, or I, you just say 12? I don't know. I don't remember what they called, but they had 13 men on the field. Um, so, like, the, 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 some of Tom Brady's Super Bowls, I get it. The, the, the one against Philadelphia, there's not really anything he could have done. But, like, the, the Super Bowl against when, when they beat the Rams, the, his last one in New England, they won that game, I think, 13-3 with it when they kicked a, uh, like, an insurance uh, field goal with, like, under a minute or so to go. So they had scored like 10 points for for the majority of the game. Scored 13, obviously, then. And he gets, like, the defense holds Sean McVay and Jared Goff Todd, and Todd Gurley, one of the best offenses in the NFL, if not the best, to three points. And Brady gets all the credit. Like, I just, it is mind-boggling to me that people are putting the blame on Aaron Rodgers. Like, the amount of times that Tom Brady has won games due to what, whether it be great special teams or great defense, when he hasn't had his best game, or deflated it's like, footballs, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like Rodgers threw you know a, a game ceiling interception in the fourth quarter. He didn't turn the ball over. Like he didn't really miss any throw. He, like he, he there was a th- there was a second or third down throw of the fourth quarter that he missed. That was going to be a huge first down. I remember. I like. I I remember the play. He like like had his like head in his hands. Um, I know he made. Oh he yeah, yeah, throw. yeah 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 yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. But like it just. It makes no sense to me how Rodgers is getting all the blame. I like, mean, I agree that he doesn't deserve all the blame. Like special teams was terrible, but you knew Packers special teams was bad. The worst, some of the one of the worst special teams groups in the NFL. And I'm I'm sorry, like Danny, you you just ripped on the guy for you just ripped on Tom Brady for only getting ten in the Super Bowl, which is fair. Rodgers only got ten at home against the Niners, and like his mantra has always been like, oh yeah, we're cold, but they're colder. Like, but like, bro, like. No touchdowns, 225 yards. Like he, Again, he didn't play bad, but outside of that first drive, they had nothing really going on offense for the entire game. I mean, yeah, he got the missed field goal, um, but that was set up like a 75-yard wheel route to a running back on a busted coverage. Uh, and I, he just he didn't play well. And I, I, think, I think some of the criticism is fair, and I know oh, that— Oh, yeah, I agree. But I, I'm just saying if that ever was— was precious Tom Brady, no one would be saying anything. <laughs> and, and, like, going back to Brady, the the Bucks rams game, everyone's like, oh, my God, Brady does it again, leading him back from 28-3. Watch the game. <laughs> like, people are like, if Tom Brady's defense, the defense cost him the game, what are you doing sending all blitz? They forced four turnovers. Tom Brady threw an interception at the end of the first half. Giving the ball, giving the ball to the Rams in great field position, and what happens? Cam Akers fumbles on the one yard line. Defense get any credit there? It's like Skip Bayless is saying that this this was Thomas Edwards Brady greatest comeback. Edward, I ever. think you missed. Pa- I think yeah, Patrick's in there somewhere. I think it's Thomas Edward Patrick or Patrick, Patrick Edward. Yeah. I'm like, you're killing me if you're saying, oh my God, the defense screw Brady. Like, watch the game. 
Tom Brady did not have a great game. It wasn't a heroic Brady-esque comeback. The Rams just did everything in their power to lose the game. And, I, I mean, somehow still won. How do you turn the ball over four times on the, four fumbles on the road in a playoff game against the defending Super Bowl champs and still win the game? Makes no sense. But that's my rant on on Tom Brady. It was fumble. It was four fumbles. Stafford four. didn't have any picks. No, four fumbles. Mm. It a fumble though, I think, right? The guy snapped it like over his head. Uh, okay. But um, that's what I got to say about Tom Brady. Yeah. That is a. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I I agree that some of the criticism, some of the praise, is unjust with. Bra- I agree with that. I think a lot of the praise is unjust with him. But I I honestly, Rogers getting a lot of heat this year. Before this year, I think he's under criticized. Like he's since he won the Super Bowl, he's seven and nine in the playoffs, and he's has some of the best talent ever in terms of himself being like playing quarterback. And uh, they, like, yeah. they, oh yeah, like no first round wide receivers. Like De- Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. I don't care what round he was selected in. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what the Packers do from here because most of their uh, star players are. On the the last uh, year of the yeah, contract, yeah. so and uh, Danny and I have both mentioned the most overrated in terms of historical success, the most overrated franchise in North American professional sports. Thirty to thirty five years of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two championships. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We were talking about it last week, Nick, and I don't know if you want to talk about it now or maybe like have some time to think. But like, do you have any thoughts on Rodgers after this season? If he's like officially out, this is it, or? I mean, I hope he plays again. Like, if like, go, like retire he, retirement's a whole other question. I don't think he's going to retire. Oh, oh, out of out of yeah, uh, Green Bay. Right? Yeah, like I think he's, he's I think he's done. Because we had a uh, PJ on last week, and he was like adamant about him staying. So I, I think he's done. I think uh, I don't know. This is this is a really weird year for him with the, the like. <laughs> I I am immunized. Are you vaccinated? I am immunized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, so that was that was comical. It's been a weird year up there with all that. Um, I think he's made it clear that he he's kind of done unless things like really drastically change. And I don't know if things are really going to drastically change. I think a change of scenery isn't the worst idea either. If like you're in a position where like they they've gone thirteen and three. They. I'm going to ignore the last game of the year against the Lions. Danny, sorry. Uh, Rodgers didn't play the second half. Uh, and I know I know they played a lot of their guys, but they were 13-3 and three in their first 16 games each of the last three seasons. <clears throat> and they haven't been able to get over the hump. And they've had the, – the road assignment against the Niners was really difficult. That Niners defense was unbelievable. And they were running the ball like crazy. So I get that, but – you turned Tom Brady over three times in the NFC Championship game last year. He threw three picks – and you got three points out of those three picks, and you can't win the game. And then, I mean, listen, the guy wins games, but you got Jimmy Garoppolo coming into your building. Um, you can't find a way to win the game. I, I think it might be time, from Aaron perspective, to move on. I just don't see if there's any chance he retires just because he, yeah. he just went back-to-back MVPs. I don't yeah. even know where that like comment came from. Because like, I was watching ESPN – over in the Connolly Center around like noon, and like that was like one of the big headlines they were talking about, like him retiring. Oh, is, yeah, they were like, "Oh, is is Rogers also hinting at retiring too?" And I like, I don't that even think sucks. that was, I don't even think that, that was be, like a question before that. To lose Drew Brees, Brady. Big Ben Brady, oh, and things, Eli, yeah, oh yeah, and Eli. Wait, when did Eli retire? After uh, he technically retired in 2020 because it was like January 2020. Oh. But 
But uh, yeah, in up. two in two seasons, yeah, it's it, it. I know how many years it's been without my quarterback. It's been two, two seasons. Um, yeah, uh, to, but Are yeah, to lose sure? in two seasons. He retired after Didn't the Dan 2019 Jones, Dan season. Jones played three seasons. For yes, the Knights, correct. Yes, Eli was only on the roster for one of them. Eli was on the roster. Yes, you are 100 percent sure. Yes, he started a couple of the games. Daniel Jones rookie. Correct. Daniel correct. Jones Nicholas, got hurt. Nicholas, Nicholas is correct. Don't, I, don't doubt the the Giants fan. Danny, could you uh, tell the crowd what my uh, what my lock screen uh, my notifications? Could you uh, tell the people, kind people at home, what uh, my uh, lock screen is? What, what athletes on it? Yes. Can I? I, I, would, I, would I be able to see it? Uh, if I could find a way to clear all of my notifications, because my phone is like swipe major. left and to clear, there clear I think. Sorry, there we go. Oh my gosh, he's got a. Um, it's the block LeBron James on Andre Iguodala. Uh, it's actually not that. Game. It's uh, thank you, Eli. It is uh, the, the Giants <laughs> post on his retirement. It is on the in the background. It's him ho- hoisting the Lombardi in the foreground. It's him running off the field for the last time. So Nicholas uh, loves Eli Manning. I do. So yeah, but um, to lose in the span of two seasons to get back on topic to lose Rivers, Breeze, oh, yeah, Big Ben, Brady, and potentially Aaron Rodgers would be catastrophic. And I know the league has a ton of young, exciting quarterbacks, but Pack- Packers have gone thirteen and three, three years in a row. And I've said every step along the way, Matt Lafleur, the head coach, is a clown, and I've never bought it. I said it. Wait, no. Do we have our? Yeah, so we we had a radio show last week, and I, and I said this when. Throughout the season, when everyone was saying the Packers were the clear-cut Super Bowl favorite, clear-cut best team in the NFL, I just never bought in because of coaching. And special teams are not – you don't need great like players to be good at special teams. I feel like special teams comes down to coaching. And special teams ultimately cost them the game. I feel like special teams coordinator is getting a lot of criticism, but, I mean, you he's the guy be. that hired him, Matt LaFleur. Um, if Rodgers does leave, I'm going to – I'm going to give it a couple years till Matt LaFleur is looking for a new job. Um, and people are legitimately talking about him as one of the best coaches in the NFL. And I think he's an absolute clown. Mm. Oh, speaking of Matt LaFleur, I just want to say something which is really funny. Um, Brian Kelly, I assume you guys saw the video of him dancing with that recruit. Yeah. He, went viral. he just committed to Alabama today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Are you uh... – are you uh, like just the the like the ex girlfriend just like watching and like praying on his downfall? <laughs> no, not necessarily. A he lot. just wants that wide receiver to have one of the best like college wide receiver se- careers ever. Whoever just committed to Alabama, it was a oh. tight end. Oh, it was a tight end. I think, oh yeah, yeah, right? tight end. I don't know what he played. Yeah, I just I just I saw the video. <laughs> it was bad. It was all right. Uh, well, we're coming up against time here. Uh, just. Uh, anything really quickly? I, I know we haven't really talked about the NBA at all. NHL All Star Break is uh, this weekend, so things are getting serious. I just uh, just quickly want to mention the NHL. The parity in the NHL is unbelievable, but the playoff field in the Eastern Conference is literally set at the All Star Break. I've never seen anything like this. It's over. It's completely over. The gap between the one seed and the six seed is smaller than the gap between the eight seed and the nine seed. There, I think it's nine points. The nine seed doesn't have a chance of making the playoffs. No. I, I know it is your Detroit Red Wings, I believe, Daniel. Oh, come no. on. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I the Wings are coming. <laughs> I think Steve Eisenman's the best GM in sports. I mean, I mean, like, they were supposed to be terrible. They're 20, 20, and 6, so, like, big improvement. But they'd have to catch the Bruins uh, right now, who they're nine points behind and significantly worse than and have played more games than. Uh, so. How about the Rangers? Yeah, A lot right. of people around uh, – the local Philadelphia area have been talking about the uh, Rangers potentially hoisting Lord Lord Stanley. Uh, yeah. Um, they're, they're, the thing about the Rangers this year is 
their five on five play has been like some literally some of the worst in the league. But they've been so good on the power play, and they like if like I, I don't want to talk much about hockey, but Igor Shesterkin is literally about to be a Hall of Famer. He's about to have a Hall of Fame career. Like I I have never seen anything like this kid. He's unbelievable. I think they they threw Henrik Lundqvist into some sort of cloning device and uh, took 20 years off him, and we got this guy. Uh, he's been the best goalie in the NHL this season. He should win the Vezina Trophy, which is the award for best goalie. He should be. He's not, but he should be in the discussion for MVP, the Hart Trophy, because the, the, a lot of the Rangers' peripheral numbers are not great, are, are really not good at all. But this guy just comes in and is the best, number one, best goalie in the league this year. And now they're sitting at 30-13-4, and four, uh, second in the division, uh, fourth in the conference. They would play. They would host uh, the Penguins. They would have home ice advantage against the Penguins in the playoffs if the playoffs started today. Uh, they're going to make it. Going to be their first time back in a full playoff field uh, since the 2016-2017 season. Uh, they had a, the rebuild was really effective, really quick. A lot of talent. And uh, just by the way, Chris Kreider leads the NHL in goals, which is like, I, I, tr- I know you guys aren't big hockey guys. I guess like. The equivalent would kind of be like a player, like I don't know. This is like Rudy Gobert leading the NBA in scoring. It's just like what am what are my eyes looking at? Like this does not compute. Wow, that's impressive. Rudy Gobert, he's an elite shot maker. I, yeah, seriously. Well, but like the thing, you know, Kreider just a lot of power play goals. A lot of he has, like it is a skill. Very good. He gets very good. Get in the front of the net. Hand to eye. Bat tip. Uh, tap-ins, like, he, he deflects a lot of pucks, and he leads the NHL with 33 goals, and barring a big game from Leon Draisaitl tonight, he will lead the NHL in goals at the All-Star break with 33, which mm-hmm. I would... Uh, his, his career high before this year, I think, was 28. So we've, we've set the new <laughs> career high through. before the All-Star break. Yeah, I kind of... I checked out of hockey a little bit before... Like, I, I remember a couple months ago, I was talking about the Islanders and their big road-opening stint, and, like, yeah. they, they had to start winning, or else they just wouldn't have a great season, and... Yeah. Uh, that kind of proved to be true, so I kind of checked out from hockey, to be honest with you. I, I mean, they've only played 38 games. Who? The Islanders. Like, this This is the thing about the hockey scheduling this year. The Rangers have played nine more games than the Islanders. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, they, they're 16, 6, and 6. 38 points. Uh, they they could do it. I just don't see it happening anymore. I was I and you you remember John? I was very high. I was like I think they could turn around. Yeah, I they are six and four in their last ten, but I think it's too far gone. I don't know. Like they're about to have a bunch of home games in a row and just a bunch of games. Uh, I think that's really gonna. Uh, I don't know. It's gonna be tough. I guess they could do it. I would say they have the best chance right now of any team not in the playoffs to make the playoffs, but. Like I said, right now, the Bruins are the 8th seed, they have 55 points, and then the Red Wings are the 9th seed, and they have 46. Yeah, so it'll take some take some work. Wow. Yeah. And we're, are we right at the halfway point? Uh, we're, a little, we're a little past. It's okay. an 82-game season. Okay. So actually, actually, let me clarify. It's the, everyone's a little past except the, well, Islanders, the Islanders who are yeah, like, before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, every team in the league... I'm sorry. No, every team in the East has played at least 42 games, except for the Islanders who have played 38. No, Senators played 40. I don't. I don't understand this. It's the NBA doesn't do this. Like, you're gonna have teams going to the All Star break who have played 40 games, and you're gonna have teams going to the All Star break who played 47. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I'm gonna. It's gonna help the Rangers. Second half's gonna be easier. Like, you're gonna be more rested going to the playoffs. I'm not complaining, but it's just crazy. I don't know. 
Yeah, and I think it's kind of funny looking at the Pacific Division in the West too, seeing like the tail of two two uh, expansion teams with the yeah. Golden Knights sitting atop and the Kraken yeah. just kind of in the bottom of the barrel there. Yeah. Uh, well, they they changed the rules a lot on the Kraken yeah. because they didn't want. They were like, maybe we shouldn't have a brand new team in the Stanley Cup. Maybe that's not great. <laughs> um, but the the Kraken also did their expansion draft looking towards the future and not really looking to compete this year. Yeah. Which I think was a mistake. I think if you brought on some of the pricier veterans who still have a lot of talent um they could we could be talking about them making a deep run in the playoffs but i, I think, think they're still one of like the coolest branded teams oh yeah like, like their, the their logo sports. their colors it's beautiful um yeah so uh we're kind of one thing before yep. we wrap up that i think we just have to mention is auburn has won 18 games yeah. in a row in college uh, basketball yeah, they yeah put up 100 on alabama, alabama. last night yep so i think auburn kind of got gypped out of the national championship uh when we were freshmen, freshmen. yep um, and I think Bruce Pearl is coming back looking looking to get his first national championship yep. this year because they are crazy good. The yep. freshman, uh, Jabari Smith. Yeah, he's supposed like, to be first overall yeah, now, he I looks think, like yep. the best in mock drafts. In yeah. he's, he's unreal. Um, I mean, I get it. Alabama and Auburn are two uh, offensive-minded teams who like to pu- push the tempo, get up and down the floor. But if you can put up 140 minutes in a college basketball game, you're going to be tough to stop come yep. tournament time. Yep, 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 yep. All right, um, we'll be back next week. We'll get to preview the Super Bowl, get to talk about uh, Villanova taking on Providence. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to talk a lot about Auburn. Uh, like, we have not really discussed them at all, and they've just kind of quietly snuck up to number one in the country. One loss, I believe, the entire year. So a UConn in double overtime. Yeah, and, and that was I, I watched. That was like the, was that was like the uh, game Bahamas year, game, the right? Bahamas yeah. Thanksgiving yeah, so, yeah. All right, uh, for John, for Danny, I'm Nick. Game Time Sports, where it's always game time. We'll see you this time, 7 o'clock now. 7 o'clock on Wednesdays uh, next week. Uh, can't wait to talk to you then, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening.